All right, everybody, welcome to Churn and Burn. This is James, and today I've got a guest trip with Kristen here, and she is going to tell us all about her insanely amazing award trip she did to Dubai, the Seychelles, and Venice during Carnival. So I'm just going to turn it straight over to uh, Kristen. And I always ask Kristen when people come on, if, if you could just briefly like tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into award travel and anything you feel like we should know about you. Sure. So I started out, my brother uh, was doing a lot of award travel. And so he recommended I get the Chase Sapphire Reserve back in 2017 when the initial like 100K bonus was going away. So uh, got that and just used that card for like a year and a half and then was able to use the points to book our first uh, business class redemption. We went to Hong Kong for my 40th birthday. We were like, well, this is really fun. We should keep doing this. So um, that kind of got me started in churning, but I was primarily just doing one card at a time. When I hit the sign up bonus, I would get another card. Um, so um, primarily Chase and American Express, just kind of working through those. But then um, in 2019, my husband and I moved to London with for my job. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, we're going to be traveling a lot. And while the flights are really cheap, those hotels are starting to add up. So kind of gotten more into the um, churning faster and manufacturing spending and starting into some of that space so that we can have enough points for all the fun trips we had planned. Um, we got to take some of those, but some were uh, canceled because of COVID. And um, then when we came back to the U.S. in 2021, um, I retired from corporate life and um, have been more focused on churning and manufacturer spending and doing all of that in order to fund all of our fun trips. It's really interesting. I, I think you might be maybe the third person who I've asked, like, how did you get into the hobby? The Chase Sapphire Reserve is evidently the gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I understand. I don't know. I think I read an article that they lost so much money on that card. And I'm assuming the long term was they were going to... Uh, keep people in the ecosystem and make money off of everybody except people like us. Right. I was going to say they've kept me in the ecosystem, but I don't know that they're making any money. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> no. And, uh, Oh, it's really cool. You said you went to Hong Kong. My brother-in-law is a teacher in Hong Kong. So that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, we were actually there when Typhoon Mancoot hit the Island. Oh, so, um, our first hurricane or typhoon, whatever. Oh, wow. That's, Maybe not the trip you had planned, but it's a good story, I guess. <laughs> so you were telling me a little bit before we came on that the trip that you're going to talk about today was kind of uh, one of those situations where you found a use for something and then you just kind of designed your whole trip around it. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So um, as many of us, we had, you know, lots of canceled trips from 2020 and 2021. Um, and so one of those that we weren't able to do was um, Dubai and the Maldives. So we kept the Maldives portion, but we had to cancel the Dubai part. And so we were, uh, I really wanted to stay at El Maha, um, the Marriott property that's kind of outside of Dubai in the desert. And um, when we travel, we like to, you know, 
see cities and do things, but then also kind of get outside the city and do something that's different, that's unique to that place. So the idea of, you know, staying in these, I mean, they're not really tents, they're pretty fancy, but like (laughs) tent inspired and, you know, riding camels and falconrying and horseback riding and all the, um, just seemed really cool. So when Marriott announced, you know, some of their changes to their award charts or doing away with award charts or whatever you want to call that in the spring of 2021, I decided that we needed to jump on it and book um, El Maha for our kind of warm weather getaway vacation for like the winter of 2022. Um, so that kind of started off around getting the dates that I could find there and then getting flights over there. But if I'm going to go all the way to Dubai, I mean, where else can we go in the world that's easier because you're already there? So we ended up adding on the Seychelles, so right. off the uh, coast of Africa. And then on the way back, you can't really get from the Seychelles to I mean, anywhere in the U.S. without a lot of travel and multiple connections. And so I figured if we're going to take that 30-hour trip home, we might as well stop somewhere halfway and kind of break up the trip. Um, so originally we had planned Istanbul, but um, ended up adding a second trip to 2022 where we were going to go be in Istanbul. So we uh, changed the plan and ended up going to Venice for Carnival. So kind of putting together three continents, um, you know, kind of three unique destinations and having a, a chance to see some really cool stuff um, everywhere from, you know, like I said, camel riding and horseback riding in the desert to hiking on the, you know, cliffs or the volcano side in the Seychelles to, um, you know, watching the people dressed up in crazy outfits in uh, Venice during Carnival. It's so interesting how I feel like a lot of people's trips, you you started out like that where it's like a puzzle and you find one of the pieces and you just got to figure out what is the picture going to look like when I book all this. So I guess if you could walk maybe chronologically like flights to, you went to Dubai first, right? Yes. So, um, I mean, so I live in Minneapolis. I can't remember if we said that yet. And there's not a lot of international destinations out of the Twin Cities. So usually I'm targeting Chicago is like an easier um, gateway city for us, like where we're going, you know, depending on where we're going. And my sister lives not that far from O'Hare. So we actually flew to O'Hare like in the morning, spent the afternoon with my sister's family and then took an evening flight from straight from O'Hare to Abu Dhabi. So I booked that. Uh, it was Etihad Metal, but I booked it using um, Aeroplan so back when that was a thing. So it was 170,000 points for the two of us to go in business class. Um, And then we did one night at the Hyatt Andes Capital Gate in Abu Dhabi. So you arrived pretty, we arrived pretty late. So just kind of crashed there. And then we toured the Grand Mosque, which was pretty close to that um, in that the morning. And then had a car service that took us out to El Maha that was out in the desert. Um, So was out there for, sorry, the, Andes was 8,000 points for one night. So oh, wow. no we were upgraded to a nice suite, which I guess when you, both of us were awake with jet lag at 3 a.m., it was very nice to have a nice room. <laughs> so 8,000 um, points for an Andes. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's like the, by far the cheapest in the world. Did, I don't know how many Andes you've been to. Uh, was it maybe better or worse than like your average one? That's the only one I've ever stayed in. The um, Andes Liverpool Street in London was right next to my office. So oh. I've been in the like bar in the lobby, like the common areas um, for drinks and stuff. But I have never, That's I think those are the only ones we've stayed in. 
or that one is the only one we've actually stayed in. And it's um, like, it's a, like a leaning building. It's more leaning. It's the leaningest building in the world. It's more than like the tower of Pisa kind of thing. It's like oh. an 18% grade. So like, that was kind of cool that you like, were, we were pretty high up. Cause like I said, we were in a suite and you look down and like the building like recedes away from you. So um, had a really nice breakfast spread, but like I said, we weren't there because we were just one night. We arrived late, so we didn't really yeah. take advantage of a lot of the ondasness of it, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, eight thousand points for free breakfast yes. and probably a nicer than average hotel. Yeah, it was really nice. So I, I have a lot of questions about this Marriott property. Like you're the way you're describing it, I'm sure you're gonna give some better detail, but it almost sounds like a Miraval or something. Um, it's actually pretty similar. So I've stayed at the Miraval Austin and the Miraval um, Tucson, and it's similar in that it's all-inclusive for food, but not uh, adult beverages. So that's just like Miraval. And then you do have certain activities that are included, and then others that you can pay extra. So again, similar to um, how the Miraval properties are run. So for us, it was like, I think it's two activities per day. Um, so it was like the falconry, the camel riding. Um, there was like a nature walk we did. There were some other ones that were the included, but then like I, I did the horseback riding where they have like retired racehorses that you can run through the desert. So you have to be like, you already have to know how to horseback ride. <laughs> but right. um, you know, there was an extra fee for that kind of thing. So, and how many Marriott points was this a night? So at the time it was a hundred thousand a night. So 200, we were just there for two nights, so 200,000. Um, we got there around lunchtime. Um, so, you know, we're able to kind of schedule activities right away. You're assigned like a like a ranger um, that kind of coordinates all your activities and helps you um, with whatever you want to do. Um, so we worked with her to get everything scheduled. And then um, you were able to, we had a, the, each room has its own private pool, but then there's also like a central pool. So we were able to, you know, kind of spend the kind of hotter middle part of the day, chill in either of those places. And then most of the activities are either in the morning or in like between four and like 7 p.m. Um, when things cool off a little bit. You know, it really wasn't that bad in February, but I'm sure if you were there in like July, it's oh, cool yeah. to be happy. But it was, was still very warm and, and like it was, it wasn't cold at all, I'm guessing. No, you know, it was, it was quite warm. Um, and obviously you're in desert, so it's very dry. Um, so we did, like I said, the camel ride where they take you out at sunset. Um, and so you watch the sunset over the desert and there's like champagne and strawberries and you can also drive, they'll drive you out there if you don't want to ride the camel. <laughs> um, and then you ride it back to the resort kind of a thing. Um, so they have, you know, activities like that, that some people did that every night. You um, said the food was really good. Yes. The food was amazing. You know, like the first day we sat down for lunch and they apologized because it was only a three course meal. And we're like, <laughs> well, normally I have, you know, avocado toast for lunch at my house. So right. <laughs> this is pretty nice. And I think it was one of the days we didn't even eat dinner because we were still full from the three course lunch. So we just went to the bar and we're like, we just want some beers and like hang out. So, um, you know, it was just really good, wow. really good food. Um, you know, great variety, like breakfast had, you know, a menu you could order off of and like this extensive buffet, um, that you could get all kinds of different things, fresh juices and like the fruit and everything was amazing. So really enjoyed, um, the food. I've, I, I'll be honest. I had never heard of this place. And I, I know when people talk all inclusives, their mind immediately goes to like 
Cancun, Dominican Republic, you, you know, places like that. And I always have family members that will ask me about all inclusives in the United States because they don't want to leave, you know. And I tell them, hey, yeah, there's this thing called Miraval, but you're not going to like the price. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, yeah, I'd never heard of this. It sounds, how, so how are the rooms at a place like this? So each, they're each like standalone buildings. So um, it's like you come in and there's like a really nice bathroom, separate tub, shower, you know, uh, room with the toilet and everything. And then there's this just enormous bed. Like, I don't even know what's bigger than a king, but it was just like two doubles put together it was huge. Um, and like a really, but it's supposed to be like inspired, like intent inspired. So like the outside has a very like sloped profile. And then like the inside, there's like fabric on the ceiling that kind of slopes down. Um, and then it's like, like half of it is all glass. So there's all these, you know, heavy duty curtains so you can sleep in and everything. And the you know, how it's keeping will come and draw them in the evenings. And then you walk out and there's like a deck, some of it's shaded, some of it's open. And there's a, private pool that looks out into the desert. So it's it's like a glamping inspired but it actually has AC and yes and running you know plumbing and like it's not um, yeah. yeah yeah I mean it is but each <laughs> building I think they're all standalone. I didn't think that I don't I didn't see any anyway that like shared walls. And there were some that were kind of up higher where you like you know, there's like a ridge that the resort was built into so like you could um have a view like over the buildings and into like the higher, the broader desert, you know, we, but we were looking out the desert and they have these different animals that like just little like deer and stuff, they're oryx and stuff that come up to your, where you're sitting by the pool and are hanging out and seeing if you have any food for them, that sort of thing. Oh my, that, this sounds really cool. I, I don't know why I don't hear more people talk about this place. It's sounds very unique. Yeah. I mean, we loved it. Like I said, obviously it's far compared to <laughs> other sure. uh, options that you have to fly all the way to Dubai and then drive 45 minutes out into the desert, but it was just very cool and unique. And like I said, we really try to seek those things out when we're traveling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me, I think they just opened up like a Park Hyatt resort outside of Morocco. And that was kind of the first thing that this reminded me of. It's not really it, sorry, I said outside of Morocco. I think it's outside of Marrakesh gotcha. or something. It's it's like a very similar idea where you're going to get out of the city and kind of rough it, except in, in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> <Okay. are> you, <laughs> yeah, roughing it, quote unquote. So you, you did two nights there, and then where did that lead you? Um, so then we drove, or the car service came and picked us up, and we went into Dubai. Um, so the first time we, either one of us, had been to that city. Um, my husband was adamant that he wanted to stay on that man-made palm tree thing. Right. Yeah. Um, it's on Instagram a, every day, basically. Yes. yes. So I had some Hilton night, free night certificate. So we booked, there's a Waldorf Astoria on one of the outer leaves. Fronds. I don't really know what the right word is. <laughs> um, so we booked that property. It was, I mean, it was really nice. It's a Waldorf Astoria. I would say it was very generic. So it just was like all, you know, white marble and chrome and it didn't have a great like sense of place, but it had a really nice beach. And like I said, it was on the outer. So you had a really cool view like back towards um, Dubai and all the buildings and everything. So it was a really nice property. Just 
um, a bit of a, a trek because we wanted, we weren't going there to just lay on the beach. We were going there because we actually wanted to spend some time in different parts of Dubai. So wasn't necessarily ideally situated. You had to take a cab, kind of back off the palm tree 20 minutes just to get onto like the highway to go anywhere kind of a thing. Um, but it was a, it was a really nice property. So, um, we didn't have any complaints there. I don't know that we would stay there again if we went back or when we go back. I, I can't believe this, Kristen. You're, you're telling me that a, a tree shaped peninsula adjacent to a major city is not a convenient way to access <laughs> the place. Getting off the palm tree took 20 minutes by cab. And then you have to obviously go wherever you're going. It, so it was a bit of a, um, unnecessary complication in terms of what we wanted to do while we were in Dubai. Um, you know, we, my husband also, he loves tall buildings. So we were up on the top of the Burj Khalifa and, you know, we're doing some of those more like touristy things, but it was a lovely property. If you were seeking to just chill on by the pool or by, you know, on the beach, it had a really nice beach and great views back into Dubai. Um, so great service. I mean, it's a Waldorf, so not unexpected, but really nice people that work there. The, um, we ate at one, the breakfast was totally over the top, uh, both days. And then the restaurant we ate at one night for dinner was really nice. So, uh, as somebody who's, I'm familiar with Dubai, but I have not actually been, is there anything you'd say is just a must do? Um, so, I mean, the going up the top of the Burj Khalifa, it is not inexpensive, but kind of like a once in a lifetime yeah. as well as the the fountain that inspired the Bellagio in Vegas is there. So um, we booked a dinner reservation so we could sit there at sunset and watch that go off. Um, so really enjoyed that. Um, and I think there's a lot of good, really good restaurants there that, you know, kind of have are known for other in other parts of the world. And they, you know, one of their outposts is in Dubai just because there's um, so many people there from all over the world. And like I said, we really enjoyed the, taking a, it was like a history tour of like what Dubai, how much it's changed over the last 30 years. And so walking through some of the older parts of the city and, you know, the parts that aren't necessarily as touristy. Um, so we really enjoyed that and kind of hearing about, um, you know, our tour guide was not a native. There's something like 7% of the people that live there are actually native Emirati. Like it's all. Right. I've all heard that. World. But, um, you know, just hearing his experience, having, you know, moved there and um, the process and, super interesting, um, you know, obviously unique 30 years ago, there was not a lot there um, and kind of how quickly they've built everything up and the choices they've made around, um, you know, the industries they've emphasized and that sort of thing. I thought we thought was interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like Burj Khalifa is just, uh, you, how could you not? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to do it once. Like, I don't know if we went back, you know, like I said, I'm sure we'll be back in Dubai and there were other things you, we could have done. There's like, um, we were there the tail end of the, it's not the world's fair, but whatever the thing was, that was kind of like a world's fair <laughs> that they did there. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different things that they, we could have done, but we just kind of said, all right, well, we want some chill pool time too. So we'll just, um, do these two kind of touristy things and then we'll, um, take it easy. We are on vacation. Yeah, we just did. I probably need to talk about this on another episode, but we we did that the blade helicopter thing between JFK yeah. and Manhattan just because of the whole JetBlue. Yeah, I don't need to go into the details. Blah blah blah. But um, that was one of those things where I was like, I would never pay for this. I, I think it's close to three hundred dollars a person, but everybody should do it one time. 
the, just to get the experience. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a much better way than uh, the subway or the uh, cab to get into the city. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if it was a whole lot faster than a cab just because you have to... So a guy takes you in a car to the helipad and then after you get to the city in the helicopter, you have to get another cab to your hotel. So you're really not saving that much time, but just the experience of, of doing it, you get a really nice view of the city. It's pretty phenomenal. Like there's nothing really else I've ever done quite like it. So yeah, if anybody wants to blow for a birthday, blow some cash recommended. Um, yeah, it sounds amazing. So you did Dubai and then it was on to Seychelles after that. Yep. So we booked um, Emirates. It was 65,000 uh, points that I transferred over there. And then um, it was a direct flight. It's like four, four and a half hours. So direct flight down from um, Dubai to the Seychelles. Um, it was, I mean, it's uneventful kind of a thing. It was business class, but like they're not the lay flat or whatever because it's not that long of a flight. So it was more like the angles and everything. Um and then we stayed five nights at the Hilton Labyrinths. I think it's, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. So it's where you have to, we took a cab to like the um, dock and Hilton had like a, you know, a building there or whatever. And then you take a boat um, kind of across to another, another island. And the only thing on the island is the Hilton Resort. The rest of it's a national park. So there's some really good hiking and it's very volcanic. So it's a big mountain and there's all these like giant boulders and rocks that are all over the hotel property and as you're hiking and then actually we went scuba diving and they were under the ocean as well that at some point the volcano blew and blew all these things up in the air and this is where they landed um so just a really you know we enjoyed being able to um do some some active stuff you know go for hikes um and kind of get off the property there's a turtle sanctuary so you can learn about turtles and everything and you know there's some different stuff you can do um I mean, there was plenty of also sit by the pool and chill, um, but it was nice to be able to um, kind of have that mix. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've looked at that property. It looks awesome. Um, I'm kind of, my personal opinion on this, and, and I think people need to look at the Seychelles more because the one advantage it has over the Maldives is the Maldives is kind of isolated geographically. There's not a whole lot of add-on trips in the immediate vicinity. Whereas the Seychelles, you can do what you're discussing, right? Yeah. I mean, we did the Maldives in February, 2020 and easy is probably not the right word, but it was easy because we, it was a direct flight from London. So we just, Oh, wow overnight eight hours so relatively speaking easy no that is that's um, so, great yeah so from that perspective well um my previous employers both uh had hilton as the preferred uh hotel company and i had to spend um seven weeks in kenosha wisconsin for training at the hilton garden Inn. so i took all those points and i went to the Maldives. <laughs> i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> You tortured me with Kenosha, Wisconsin for seven weeks. I'm going to the Maldives. So. so how many days did you do at the Seychelles Hilton? So we did five there. So it was the right. fourth 
you know, pay for four, get yeah. Fifth Night free. And how so many points? 360 total. Yeah. So I got to ask, where did you stay in the Maldives? Uh, we did the Conrad Rangali. Oh, good. So it's the same chain kind of. Same chain, yeah. So as somebody who is, uh, I have not done either, I, I, which tell me, and I think a lot of people are actually going to be interested to hear this. What are the pros and cons? Take the flights out of it. Just like how you get there. Just take that completely out of it. Which one did you like better and for what reasons? So the, I mean, getting to the, like the nation, taking that out of it, but like you, you have to take the seaplane to, um, you know, from the airport in the Maldives, like the main airport to the resort. So that was much more expensive than the boat, um, that you took, but my, depending on how you feel about boats, like it was a little rough. My husband gets uh, seasick and had to kind of put him, shove some ginger into him, put those bands on him and stuff. Um, the seaplane is much more expensive, but it's beautiful as you're flying in. Um, I would say overall the, what Conrad in the Maldives is bigger. I don't know. I don't like know the guests or the room count off the top of my head, but there were more dining options um, in terms of like, and more like you can't leave the property. It's very flat, but like you can walk around on it. And like I said, there's more options in terms of food. Um, both of them had their own dive shop. So like, that was great for my husband. I like to scuba dive. Um, the Seychelles had more, fewer places to eat, but had more that you could like go off the property and like go hike on the Island. And, you know, some of that, those more like, um, if you're actually wanting to do something versus just sit by the pool. <laughs> um, and I would say the, um, cause we went the same time of year to both of them. There were more like families at the Seychelles property. Um, and there's just one pretty small pool. So depending how you feel about, um, children, other people's children, not your own. <laughs> um, it was a little bit more disruptive in terms of like, versus the Rangali has like an adult only Island. So even though there were fewer children, they were only on one part of the property and you could definitely avoid them if that wasn't your scene. Yeah. My husband has this thing where when he's reading, he needs like, he doesn't need like silence. Like the ocean can be like uh -huh. in the background, but he can't have people like talking. Static noise. Right. So so you, uh, it sounds like you really did enjoy the Seychelles Hilton. Yeah, absolutely. We, I would recommend the property. Like I said, I know they have new, there was one that had just opened right. that's on like the main Island that we, I went back and forth. Um, it didn't have the great, you know, it had not many people had been there, but it didn't have the great, it had some kind of mixed reviews and stuff. So we decided to just keep the, the elaborate property. Um, and, yeah. But, how, how long did you say the flight from Dubai was? About four, maybe four and a half. Oh, wow. That's not bad at all. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to look into this because I keep saying I'm going to do it. And it's, you know, it's a long way from, from America. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the flight from Chicago was like 11 hours or something like that. Oh, uh, to um, Dubai? To yeah. Dubai, yeah. How I, I so, think I forgot to ask you actually about the Emirates. Uh, how was Emirates overall? Um, so what was, we flew Etihad. Oh, sorry. Etihad. O'Hare to, um, Abu Dhabi, but it was great. Um, you know, so it was probably a little less, I don't know, over the top than Emirates or what I know about Emirates. Um, I haven't flown their uh, business class, but, or their like lie flat, you know, international business class, but, um, you know, we enjoyed the seat was nice. The food was really good. Um, like I said, I'm not a huge, like, 
plain nerd, so I couldn't tell you which seat was in there, but it went flat and <laughs> there was champagne. I'm a big fan of that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I've always heard people say that uh, Emirates is a little more flash and Etihad is a little more substance as far as luxury goes like there I don't, I don't know if one is better than the other but people say Eddie Hod is what Emirates looks like it's trying to be I don't know if that makes sense yeah I, I like I said it wasn't it wasn't you know as much again I haven't been in but like the gold and the over the yeah. top gilded stuff that you see pictures of I'm like ooh, that's a lot <laughs> so it was a little more low-key what the Instagram dreams are made of yeah <laughs> So you got your five amazing relaxing days in the Seychelles, and then I'm guessing you got to Venice somehow. We did. Um, so originally we had, like I said, we were planning to go to Istanbul. So I had booked back through Abu Dhabi, um, again, Etihad, but with aer- booked it via Aeroplan. It was like 90000 And I didn't really want to mess around with changing that. So I just added a flight so we actually had two stops. So we stopped in Abu Dhabi and then Istanbul and then from Istanbul to Venice. I would not do that again. I would have sucked it up and called Aeroplane and tried to get one less connection because, you know, those flights where you're landing in Etihad or in Abu Dhabi in like the middle of the night and you have like a four hour layover, but it's from like 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Like those are just, they're really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Even having a, you know, business class ticket to you're in the lounge and everything, it's still just exhausting. It's it is a weird thing where you you will like talk yourself into it and say, "Well, I'm going to get to go to the lounge and whatever." And you sort of say, "Well, it's not that bad." And then on the day you travel, you regret everything. Right. And uh, you know, the uh, lounge in um, Abu Dhabi, I mean, it was nice, but again, you're not getting great sleep. There were people, you know, taking phone calls and there was like a baby crying and like whatever. And then the Istanbul airport is just enormous. So, you know, we had to like walk 70, 17 miles, what it felt like, and like, you know, go through security and then basically go back where the uh, back the direction we were, but like on the outside of secure of like immigration to get on the plane. It was just, it was a lot. Yeah, and anybody listening to this, uh, you're not the first person to talk about this, but the Istanbul airport, if you're planning a layover, I've consistently had people tell me it's the biggest airport, it's the longest walks. So if you're planning anything even remotely less than an hour or even an hour and a half, I would just rethink the whole thing. Yeah, it's not worth like the stress of just... Or just not at all, like you said. (laughs) So, like I said, if I had to do it again, I would definitely have put more effort into figuring out a way to have it be only one stop. Yeah. Wherever that stop might be, you know, but like try to um, kind of unwind some of what I did versus just sticking. I knew it was like, so it was 90K for the two of us in business class. And then I just added the flight to Venice. So that was like another 30. So it was like, just take those 120,000 points and figure out a way to get from the Seychelles to Venice. I guess you kind of lose the whole day anyway, regardless. So it's not that big a deal, but you got there. Um, And okay, I'm going to ask you to indulge a little bit. You said you went to Venice during Carnival. 
Could you kind of explain what that is for idiots like me who aren't? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So Carnival is like Mardi Gras. So in other countries, um, primarily those that have Catholic heritage, um, Carnival is like the uh, celebration leading up to the start of Lent. So Fash Wednesday, which is this coming Wednesday, like this weekend will be Carnival in most South American countries. Um, I lived in Spain in college. It was really fun. <laughs> um, so there's parades and people dress up in costume and just party in the streets. Um, so Venice has a, a celebration. Um, I mean, has had one for thousands of years, you know, hundreds of years. I don't even know. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, there's some elaborate like masks. If you've ever seen the mask when you're traveling in Venice, like that's what they're from. Um, people have some like seriously intense dress, um, you know, gowns and pantaloons and like, you know, all this stuff. Like you could, I mean, we didn't do it, but you could have like rented these and like gotten a ticket to some of the balls and like gone to the ball. I've seen photos of this. Uh, is this in February? Yes. So like, well, it's, it's based on Ash Wednesday. So Easter moves every year. Ash right. Wednesday is 40 days before Easter. Like I said, it's, it's literally this Wednesday. It's the 14th this year. So Carnival w- would have been this week, this weekend that just finished. That's, that's true. They do this. Um, I actually, I told you I, I'm going to uh, next week. I have a trip planned to Italy. Our original plan was to go to, to Nice in the French Riviera. And I found out that Nice has their own Carnival as well. But I think Venice is the most famous one. Yeah, I mean it's it's up there. Uh, Rio, I mean Brazil has a, a pretty big one. Is so it's pretty. It, would you say it was kind of crowded? Um, so we got there on like a Thursday. So Thursday wasn't bad at all. We did um, this like so. There's this. I can't remember the name of it, but there's this old like fort that the military turned over to like the city of Venice. So it's now like a water venue. So they had this whole show there with like fire and water and like they had these people on like boats and like those like jetpack things where you can like fly around. And um, so we did that the first night and that was really cool. Um, and then the Friday we did like a tour, a food tour. Um, so like food and like some history and the food was amazing. And like that was really fun. Saturday was really crowded. So we kind of got to that point where we headed away from like the tourist areas and walked more like into Venice, like the parts where tourists don't go so much and just found little like locals, like restaurants and bars and just kind of pub wine crawled our way through Venice that way. Oh, that's pretty fun. So, and where did, so where did you stay? So we stayed at a property called Casa Grotto that's uh, SLH. So booked it via Hyatt. It was, um, we were there three nights. So it was 80,000 points. So one of them must've been an off peak, yeah. peak or something like that. Um, but it was a super fun location. It was right on the Grand Canal, um, but kind of on the uh, like the other side of the Grand Canal. So not where like St. Mark's and some of the more like touristy stuff is. So it was a little bit wider street that it was off of. And like the boats that crossed the Grand Canal, one of them stopped like right outside the property. They had, so they had a rest. I mean, it was February, but they had a restaurant that overlooked the Grand Canal. So you could eat there. They also had a rooftop bar. It wasn't open for service, but it was open. So like we just got a bottle of wine and went up there and sat and watched the canal, you know, just kind of hanging out. Um, And it was a actual like venue for carnival activities. So like we're sitting in the lobby in our, you know, jeans and tennis shoes and there's people going through in these like insane costumes. That's got to be an interesting experience though. 
Yeah. So it was very, uh, just the, you know, the watching, like I said, I wasn't motivated to like rent a costume and dress up, but it was pretty cool to just sit there and watch these people go through that are going to this event, um, that's on the property. And it was just, and it's like, we like, especially me, <laughs> small and weird hotels versus like some of the bigger, uh, kind of mega resorts. So not that you really have any of those in Venice, but, um, so this was like, you know, a family, like the family Sagrado, it was like their property that they, you know, and so like we were in, upgraded to this suite that was like the former mistress's bedroom or something. So it was just this like really over the top, like three bed, three room suite, like beautiful bathroom. And then they had all these like gilded animals on the wall, like animal sculptures, like built into the wall. And it was just yeah, very unique. Yeah. I, I've, I've stayed in a few of the SLH, although I'm not really, I would not say I'm kind of the opposite of you. I prefer the very predictable, large kind of luxury hotels. So like Ritz Carlton, St. Regis, even, even like a Westin can be really nice sometimes. And I find that on the best SLH properties are like the greatest places you've ever, ever, ever stayed in. And then every once in a while, I and I've heard this from other people, you'll just kind of get burned because just for whatever reason, I guess there's more room for error. Kind of need to read the reviews, I guess, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it can, it can vary pretty wildly. We've stayed in... Uh, we stayed in one in Bergen, Norway that, again, it was like a super cool building, but like the room, they had renovated. And so like the room was pretty generic and there was like, it was like a Saturday night and there was like a big wedding going on. So it was kind of loud and you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, it was a great location, but it wasn't like, yeah. this is the coolest hotel, which I mean, you're in the fjords of Norway. You're not there for the hotel anyway, but. Yeah, it was probably, the location was all that really mattered, I'm sure. Yeah. And it, I, I would talk about the whole Hilton SLH thing, but I'm, I'm guessing within a month of recording this, we're going to find out. <laughs> and the question that I'm sure you're asking yourself and I'm asking silently is, are they going to let us use the free night certificates? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and hopefully when Hyatt integrates with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that kind of replaces the SLH as like the small and weird because there's some pretty cool Mr. and Mrs. Smith properties out there that I've looked at in the past. So, um, yeah, I don't know as much about those because I've always kind of been, I kind of have gotten IHG points, but I've never really been as obsessed with looking at those properties. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested too. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I looked at them, I think it was when we were going, we had a trip planned to Greece that there was a bunch of them that were on different Greek islands. And I don't even think I was looking at them like using points. It was like cash, but it was, we were going in September, September and October. So it was a little bit less expensive. Um, So it was like, if we were going to pay cash for like a unique hotel, um, you know, where would we go? And there were several Mr. and Mrs. Smith properties that were on the short list. And I'm so sure, Hyatt, if you're listening, that all of those are going to be category fours. And you're going to let us use all of our sweet upgrade awards at them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, fully expect that to happen. (laughs) So Venice sounds like it was really like a fun, kind of offbeat, unique experience. Uh, And how did you make your way back to the notorious MSP? Um, So we were able to find availability on, booked on 
KLM. So we would just did Venice to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam um, straight back to MSP. Business so class. 140,000 flying blue. Oh, that's nice. You you got yeah. the non-ripoff rate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, if you can find it, like I'm looking for a flight right now for like a month from now and it's like 400,000. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, KLM. Who, what, who would ever pay that? If people, I'm sure people pay it. And did you guys have the new business class where it's actually, um, it's not like two by two by two or? Yes, it was the, oh. the it was a new plane. Very good. Again, I don't know which kind of plane, but it was the, the full lay flat and like the. Um, You're not like you know, right we next to, to your seat, buddy, basically. Right. It was the angle. So like our feet were together. Yeah. Yeah, the that seems like those are getting to be pretty common. I think we finally got them on the Atlanta Amsterdam route for a while. They had us on those old kind of like what Lufthansa has had forever um before they've finally I guess they're dragging out real business class now. Fortunately. Yeah, they're adding a Minneapolis to Frankfurt, I think it is route this May, I want to say it launches. That there's been a ton of availability, but right now we don't have a trip to Europe scheduled. Except I might be going to Barcelona in like a month. But um. oh, I am as well. Nice. I, yeah, you been? I have not, but me. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, after after uh, this, I'm gonna have to get some Barcelona recommendations. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's. It's weird how you'll be uh, you'll be talking to people about like your trips and stuff, and you'll just realize that you're planning the same trip at, at different times, or there's just a lot of synchronicity, I guess, in this community. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of off the beaten path destinations, but I feel like this group. I mean, we we like the big places, but then we also like the weird off the beat beaten path. So even then, you can find somebody who's also been to the Seychelles or yeah. wherever that. Um, you know, wants to talk about it. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed, like, you seem like you have a very diverse, uh, this is a weird word to use, but a diverse palette of destinations you like to go to. So this was a cool trip because you kind of hit like every scenario as far as where people would want to go. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we, we, pick sometimes it's the property sometimes it's like i it's almost never i want to fly in this specific airline but it's a lot of like i love to eat so it's kind of like i want to go to istanbul and eat all this and the turkish food so let's do that kind of thing so um we ended up in dubai or in um croatia this fall because my husband loves below deck and was uh. watching the season where they go to croatia and so then he's like we need to go to croatia <laughs> okay Honestly, I mean, anybody, why not? <laughs> I say if you've seen Croatia, everyone who sees it says, Oh, I didn't know this existed and now I have to go there. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. We can't wait to go back. So, uh, I guess, and that kind of leads into the last question that I always ask everybody, which is, Are you planning any trips in the future that you want to talk about? I mean, of course. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, so we're going to Bora Bora in two weeks um, for eight nights and stopping in San Diego on the way out there and then San Francisco on the way home to see family. 
Um, and then we're doing Japan in November. Um, so I have the flights and some of the hotels booked, but I need to kind of get a lot more research. Um, I feel like Japan is one of those places things that people get really excited about and they want to give you all this information, but I'm always like, Oh, I'm not ready yet to like process all of now this. You're ready. <laughs> so I need to kind of sit down and, um, figure that out. Um, and then, as I mentioned, a friend of mine has a work trip to Barcelona yeah. that I might just take along. So I might go to Barcelona for like five days. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, days why not? Right. Why not? It's, that's funny because we, uh, we're going to try to do Japan, not this year, but next year. So I'm in the same boat where it's, I'm in overdrive research mode. And uh, the only reason we're going to Barcelona, and I don't, I don't think I've actually talked about this, but we just got Delta Diamond status, which you can understand because you're MSP. Yeah. And we got the four global upgrades. And I just kind of, that was what I found from Atlanta. So that can be a reason. <laughs> the reason. And it's not like, I mean, you're going someplace cool. Like Barcelona is awesome. <laughs> and this is a very weird, uh, the, so you know, I'm probably going to do a whole episode on this, but you'll find this funny because you're into Hyatt. We're staying six nights at that. It's a, it's an unbound property in Barcelona. It's the hotel Sofia. And, yeah. you know, we use a sweet upgrade and all that. And I found out that the day we check in, this hotel is turning into a Grand Hyatt, which is either going to be the best gift ever or a total nightmare. <laughs> I mean, unless you really wanted that for your Hyatt brand explorer, does it matter? It, I guess it doesn't matter. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to let us into the lounge now. So do you, do you have a lounge access award <laughs> that you're not using? Right. <laughs> yeah. All 500 of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any, all you Hyatt people, you understand the joke. Um, yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like you're going to have to come on the show again if you want, because the, the Bora Bora sounds insane. Um, I can't wait to, if, if you want to come back, you got to compare that to the Seychelles and the Maldives. Sure. Yeah. We just figure, you know, we'll hit all these tropical destinations and see which one is, uh, I mean, Bora Bora is a little easier to get to than, um, the other two, but yeah, we'll test true. it out. My husband's never been to Hawaii and he keeps being like, when are we going to Hawaii? I was like, why are you complaining? You look at all these other uh. amazing beach vacations you've been on. No one feels bad for you. Yeah. Now, as an East Coaster, I am very, uh, I wouldn't say I'm anti-Hawaii, and I have been, but I'm I'm not, you know, interested anymore in the 12 hours it's going to take to go. Well, and we, like I said, we have family on the West Coast, so when we're doing these kind of trips, we're usually yeah. stopping either both or one of the directions to stay with um, someone kind of a thing. Like when we come back from Japan, we land on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So we're just going to stay in San Francisco. My brother lives in San Francisco. Oh, that is good. Spend Thanksgiving there and then come home on like the Friday. You are optimizer supreme for that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, yeah. So hopefully, Kristen, we can have you back uh, after Bora Bora and we'll, I, I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot. You're going to have to do a, a power ranking for those three beachy destinations. All right. So yeah, and I'll get I'll get P 2s opinion as well. There, oh, you you can't do it without P 2s input. That's the 
churn and burn rule. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It was great talking to you, Kristen. Thank you so much. Uh, Really. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody. That was another episode of the Churn and Burn podcast. This is James. And in the meantime, churn them and burn them. Burn them.